So hello and welcome to a very special episode of Slow Pit Stop on women in motorsport. Obviously Muhammad and I don't have the knowledge or experience to speak about this in great detail and sometimes it's more important to listen than it is to speak. So you won't be hearing too much from us this episode, but we are joined by two very special guests. Omaima from episode 7 on the Michael Schumacher documentary, which if you haven't heard already, check it out now for free on slowpitstop.com or Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And also Anam, one of the two hosts from Who's Your Bias, a podcast about all things K-pop and Korean media. Let's talk about women in motorsport. I'm Arafa, and I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. We have with us Umaima and Anam. Hi, I'm Anam. Hi, I'm Umaima. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, Umaima was with us on our Schumacher episode, and Anam was with us way back in the beginning when we were called a different name. Um, Anam was actually the one who gave us the idea for today's episode. She was on Instagram, and uh, she came across uh, the person we interviewed. Anam, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I was just... On Instagram, I follow a uh, kind of an Asian news Instagram page where they talk about things that are applicable to Asian Americans, Asians overseas, um, in sports, media, and entertainment. And I came across an article about uh, Bianca Bustamante on Nat Shark, which is the name of the account. And it just kind of chronicled her journey very briefly um, as she trains in motorsport. Um, at that point, I thought, hey, this is pretty interesting. And I forwarded the post to both Muhammad and Arafat, and it kind of just snowballed from there. Yeah, so, I mean, it definitely triggered a bit of a conversation. And I remember weeks ago when I was uh, pitching you guys to come on to our podcast, uh, you asked me, why aren't there more women in motorsport? Um, Umayma is a longtime fan of Formula One. I'm sure you've pondered that question more than once. Yeah, I suppose I have. And, um, you know, you do see women in motorsport and you do see them more and more as as time has gone on. You are seeing them, you know, I think the most, to me, the most um, prominent person that I would say would be Susie Wolf, who is, um, you know, she's been in Formula One for quite some time now. Um, and she's also one of the brand ambassadors for the FIA Women in Sport. Um, and, and you do see some representation, but you don't see any women driver, drivers. There's been some that have been that have done testing and, and like in the development cars. But you have we in, in the modern age, we haven't seen any Formula One women drivers. Um, so it would be it would be good to see that happening. And it was really interesting to speak to Bianca and kind of get get a young girl's perspective on that. So we had the unique opportunity to sit down with Bianca. She's a karting driver from the Philippines. So I'll just go ahead and play that interview. We recorded it a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then afterwards, uh, the three of us can kind of just talk about what our thoughts are on her journey and hopefully the future of women in motorsport. The FIA, together with nine partners, have implemented in 2018 and 2019 a competition model for the promotion and development of young women in motorsport at grassroots level. The competition goes through a five-step process, which culminates in the girl being selected as a rising star. 
and hopefully hundreds of girls will be inspired to come along and give it a try during these carding weekends. We are honored to be joined today by a young woman from the Rising Stars program, and I'd like to hand it over to my co-star and host, Umaima, to introduce her. Thank you, Mohammed. Um, so my name's Umaima. I'm one of the co-hosts uh, joined here with Mohammed today, and we're also joined by um, Bianca Bustamante. She is a 16-year-old driver who was recently selected to go to step two of the FIA Girls on Track Rising Stars program. She's been competing in karting for over 10 years and has won some of the following. So in 2020, she won the X30 Senior Overall Champion. 2019, won National Senior Carter of the Year. 2019, International Junior Carter of the Year. 2019, ROK Carter of the Year. Again, in 2019, ROK uh, GP Senior Overall Champion and the X30 Senior Overall First Runner-Up. That so is quite a lot six of, more uh, awards than I have. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say that's quite an impressive thing for, for someone who's just 16. Um, so she is currently training for to head to France, the Paul Ricard circuit, to fight for her place in the Formula uh, training camp. The end goal is to be selected to join the Ferrari Academy. Um, so first of all, thank you so much, Bianca, for joining us today. Uh, we know you've got a very busy weekend and you've got training, you know, lots of training and you've got your the, the, the trip to France upcoming. So we're very grateful that you can make time out for us. Um, as we said there, so you've, you've been karting for, you know, over 10 years, but you're only 16. So you, you clearly got into karting very, very young. Why don't you tell us a little about, about your journey so far and how you actually got into karting in the first place? I'd like, um, of course, I uh, thank, first of all, you guys for having me. <laughs> well, my journey actually started at the age of three when I first drove a cart because um, my father, he was a former carter as well. So everything I just learned about racing and motorsport came from him. And later on, I found out that I also shared the same passion as he did. So he got me a cart and then I started competing professionally at the age of six, then I had my very first international competition the same year and I actually won as well. So I think that's when I wow. figured out that what I wanted to do was this was something professional and I wanted to pursue it till I grow old. <laughs> wow. That's me. You started so young. I think when I was three years old, I don't even know what I was doing. But I wasn't in a cart. <laughs> I certainly wasn't winning anything and, when I was six. And by know, knowing by age six or seven that this is what you want to do professionally, yeah, wow. that's pretty impressive as well. Um, is, that, is it something that your father was excited for you to to say that you wanted to do that? Is that Was he happy to hear that? Or was he more like, no, 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 don't go down this route? <laughs> well, actually, um, at first, he was quite hesitant along with my mom because, you know, female and they were both scared since I was the only child. And I think they were, but my dad was, first of all, very, very happy that I also shared the same passion. But at the same time, as parents, they were both worried. So did you follow anything else in motorsport, you know, as a, as a kid? Or was it just karting and you knew that's the line you wanted to go down into? Like, did you watch any races in Formula One or anything like that? Yes, I'm actually a huge fan of uh, Niki Lauda. Yeah, Ferrari. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, very nice. <laughs> So yeah, I grew up watching the movie. It. Have you seen Rush? Yes, the Rush. Have you seen Rush? Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember it came out when I was around seven or eight, and I just watched yeah. it, and I kept watching it every week. <laughs> wow! Yeah, incredible. <laughs> so, so what are your dreams for the future? 
would it be heading towards the Formula One direction? Well, um, it's a bit too early to say, but, you know, a girl can dream and that's the dream, <laughs> Formula One. Excellent. So you've made it to the FIA Girls on Track Rising Stars. So that's that's already, you know, a big accolade and, and congratulations for that. How did you find out about the program and how have you got involved? How did you get involved with it? Well, actually, um, I first found out about the program since it started last year in this initiative with the Women in Motorsport. And I found out recently this year that they were doing another year. So my manager, Daryl Oyang, he kind of pushed me to send to talk to the AAP to send my my portfolio and my CV to the FIA because the AAP is who um, gathers all of the drivers and they nominate one woman to send to France and hopefully she gets picked in a top 14. And after a week after, or a, a month actually, after I passed my CV, I, re, I, I got the news that I have been selected. And of course, I was very, very happy. I mean, 10 years I've worked really hard to get to this point. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds just incredible. So how, do you know how many other people applied uh, to get to France? Yes, um, actually, there's over 70 drivers from around the world. Oh, wow. Do you know if anyone else from the Philippines applied or were you the only one? Um, they don't really say who applied, but uh, I, I think I know a few that sent their profile as well. Wow, okay. That's very incredible. <laughs> so what happens then? So once you're at in France and you, you've got the, it's, a, it's like a shootout competition, is that correct? Yes. So what's the process then? What's the next steps for you? So um, the first day is actually when we get there, you sign up and registration and stuff. And then the following day, it's actually a two-day program. The first program is karting. So they test us in karting, know our fundamentals, all the basic things we know about motorsport. And then they also do us in a fitness test and also in the simulator. So in those two-day program, they actually eliminate us. So it comes from 14 to 8. And the oh, top man. eight, wow. yeah, the top eight moves to the Formula Four. We'll be driving in Paul Record, the F1 track. Mm -hmm. So after you make it to the top eight, it's again fitness test, simulator, and then Formula Four. And so basically, they're testing if how fast you are. And like the drivers they actually took to 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 go to France are around. 14 to 16 so they don't really have much experience in a formula car so what they're looking actually is for raw speed and talent so mm -hmm. i really if i do go there i really have to show that i can progress and learn very very quickly to make it to the top eight and then at the same time actually the ferrari driver academy will be there in the formula one track wow. to actually um to i guess judge and judge and um, pick the drivers they're going to send to Italy, the top four. So uh, other FDA yeah. drivers, and I, th I think they actually met um, uh, Carlos Sainz last year as well and Charles Leclerc. Oh, wow. Yeah. So basically, it's like meeting the whole FDA and getting familiarized with them. So it's not just about driving as well. It's also about knowing everything yeah. about Ferrari and being a Tifosi, I guess. <laughs> so I, this might sound like a, a dumb question, but is the sim training <laughs> – it's for the Formula Four car, or is it for a carter for for a karting? They scene? also have one for karting. Then there's because there's a program for karting, and then there's a program for Formula oh. Four. Just so the next thing I was going to ask Michelle Mouton, uh, the president of the FIA Women in Motorsport, said, "We also need to invest in the future and encourage the younger generation to view it as a, a world of equal opportunities." 
as someone from the younger generation, do you think that it is a world of equal opportunities? What has the FIA done to help and, and what more needs to be done to try and include more, more women into motorsport? Well, I think overall, the last few years, they've done an amazing job getting motorsport known to more females and other young drivers. I mean, they started this initiative and it's doing very, very well. Like Maya, she's doing really great in the Italian F4. And to see a fellow woman competing at such a high level like that is just very inspiring. So me as well, I've been inspired to push even harder to reach as well those heights. And I think, of course, you know, getting equal opportunities, you know, both men and women, it's still about, it's still debatable, <laughs> the opportunities and stuff, but we're not far from reality of getting equal opportunities, especially in motorsport, but as well, there's a lot of work needs to be done. So the reason we wanted to have you on, um, in addition to just kind of talking to you and getting to know you, is one of our listeners in an older podcast asked, why aren't there any women in Formula One right now? And there's not really any good reason that there's no women driving in Formula One. And I know you're saying right now that the opportunities, it's debatable. So I just like, I guess I wanted to ask you, do you foresee in like five, six years that a woman can finally get into Formula One and, and break that that barrier and, and join, uh, you know, the, the ranks of, of Formula One? Well, I think right now they're doing an amazing job and it's like, Every year is one step closer to reality mm -hmm. of reaching Formula One. And right now they even made a W series. But mm -hmm. like I said, you know, it, it's not about women competing with other women. It's about women competing with men an equal yeah, level. Yeah. And I mean, I, I do see a bright future for women in motorsport. I mean, there's a lot of girls driving in Le Mans, you know, yeah. even in, a, in Le Mans, there's a team where it's all women drivers. And yeah. I don't see it far from happening, actually. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, it's really encouraging. Um, so, so if you don't mind asking, what are some of the challenges you've faced in motorsport, which you feel maybe your male counterparts would not have faced? Well, it's been a long journey for me, actually. And competition is definitely one of um, the toughest part about motorsport, just how competitive everyone is, especially when driving. Mm. It can get a bit aggressive. And, you know, preparation-wise, I think I have to, to take it a bit more harder and push a little bit more to reach their level. But I think we're all playing the same, in the same level, you know. The car is the equalizer. So they're basically, yeah. motorsport is the only sport, actually, that doesn't separate men and women. You know, we're all athletes and we're all drivers. Yeah. But, yes, you know, physically, it can be a, very, a bit tough for me. So I have to train as hard or even harder. I know you mentioned Formula W before. You know, we've, I've only ever heard men talk about Formula W. I've only ever heard men say, oh, yeah, it's this great initiative and it's a good step forward. And But I've never actually have uh, heard like a female driver talk about Formula W. So I wanted to ask you, what you know, what are your opinions on it just in general? Well, actually, W Series is a great initiative by the um, women in motor, I mean, by the FIA. But I think it kind of separates men and women again. Mm -hmm. It's like, saying F1 is for men and then WC is for women. Yeah. But, you know, I see it as a great step moving forward. I do hope that the drivers do competing in a W Series will find a seat, hopefully in F2 and in F3. But hopefully they can go, you know, instead of to F2 and F3, they go straight from W Series yeah. to Formula 1. To F1, yeah, yeah. 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 
it would be nice to see like Jamie Chadwick driving for like Alpine or something like that, you know? Yes. Yeah. See the I was going to ask the um the competitions that you've won so far are those all mixed competitions boys and girls? Yes, actually all competition in motorsport is actually combined, you know. There's no woman category. Oh, so wow. yeah, so all of my races have been against men. So you're in all your races how many you could do yeah. it. <laughs> In in your races how many girls have been in the races that you do? Like how? What's the domination? Mostly only me. Yeah. <laughs> is it just you? That's excellent. That's amazing. Wow, that's so. Yeah. That is so cool. I can't believe that. You've also got another unique thing fun. that you're 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 the only Filipina woman in the karting series. How does it feel to be representing your country in that way? Well, I always feel great pride carrying my nation. You know, especially competing in Asia and other countries, being the only Filipino and Filipina and. As well, I think motorsport in Philippines is not actually very much known. That's why I'm doing my best to actually get it to everyone. You know, there's motorsport. There's more than one sport. Not like it's not just like basketball and, and boxing. You know, especially I'm trying to encourage more women to try on motorsport. You've mentioned in your Instagram that you you're traveling to different countries every week before the pandemic. Um, what countries have you raced in? You're going to France soon. Have you raced there before? Actually, I've never been to Europe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the only countries I've been is in Asia and Australia and Dubai, and I did a year training in America. Oh wow! You ra- where did you race in America? I'm in America right now. That's why I'm asking. Oh yeah, I I raced in California. So just a lot of California races, and I I used to actually live in San Francisco. Yeah. I used to always be in Sonoma. Oh okay, nice, very nice. Have you been to LA or no? Oh, LA, yes. I've been to LA. I've done a few wow. races there. Oh, wow. That's so that's so cool to hear that. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. How has the pandemic affected your training and the progress over the last, you know, 18 months or so? The past years have been very difficult. I mean, I think it kind of stopped my progress as a driver. Not much races going on, especially in Asia, since it targeted most of the countries here. So no races at all. Uh, there was even one point where we couldn't even leave the house and that was very tough on me. I couldn't train and I couldn't drive and, you know, opportunities came and then I'm I'm going to France. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. What, what, what sort of preparation do you normally do for races and what kind of mindset do you try and get into? Well, actually I, I start my day usually waking up at seven, I mean, 4am sleeping 7pm. Yeah, I start my day pretty early to make sure that my body is prepared for the following days if I do have testing. So I wake up 4 a.m., I go for a run, then I hit the gym, and then I come back home and study on boards or data for the racetrack I'll be driving in. But usually during race weekends, it's where the fun all begins. You know, I wake up as well pretty early, then I hit the track, and then there's a lot of pre-tests going on and it's quite fun and I miss it so much. Yeah. So that, that sounds really cool. That sounds like you're really dedicated and I think you're going to crush it in France. It's not just driving. You need to be physically prepared for what's going to happen. Do your schoolmates know like how cool you are? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think because of um, my racing, I didn't have pretty much a childhood. So, but yes, I, oh. I am. Uh, my friends, you know, <laughs> that I raced. <laughs> How how do you fit in like schoolwork and academics and things like that? How do you fit all of that into your busy schedules? 
Oh God. <laughs> well, it's um, it's very tiring, you know. Like when 2019, I used to have races like almost every weekend. So it's like leave Wednesday to fly to a different country, then come back home Sunday night. Sunday night, I just do my all of my workloads, and then I go to school on Monday, and then I pass everything, and then I leave again Wednesday, and then it's like the same weekend over and over again. It's very tiring. Have you ever like showed up to school and then your teacher's like, you know, why are you late? And you're like, well, I just became senior overall champion of 2020. So <laughs> that's why I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, my, my actually my school when I was um, doing rotations were very supportive. I mean, yeah, they yeah. would um, give me a bit of extension or like special exams just so I can catch up. So I've always wondered like how they balance it. It's very interesting to hear that from you. You're just pushing, you know, when you're having fun, you kind of enjoy the things you do. And academic is one of the things I enjoy as well, since I also want to be an engineer as well as a driver. Balancing those two things weren't hard. They were just, you need to be very dedicated. Mm -hmm. You definitely sound like you've got the dedication there. (laughs) Um, So how, how do you think, we as fans of Formula One can support women in motorsport. Actually, what you guys are doing now is amazing. I mean, just guesting me. I mean, thank you so much again. <laughs> I think for um the support is just um maybe getting motorsport for women. Actually, just saying that motorsport is for both men and women. Gender should never affect whatever we pursue. I promised your your manager we wouldn't go longer than twenty five minutes. So. We'll just... <laughs> But do you have any message that you'd like to give any women who or any young girls who are looking into getting into motorsport? I think my only um, message is that, of course, motorsport can be a bit scary when you look at it, you know, driving too fast. But I guess if you do know that your heart really, really loves motorsport, you'll always find a way like I did. I would always um, force my parents to bring me to the track or work extra hard just so that my parents would see how dedicated I am and how much I actually really love racing. And I do hope that you do try it on and that if you put in the hours and you put in the hard work and the discipline, actually, you'll eventually reach whatever your dreams are. Thank you so much for joining us, Bianca. We hope to see you driving for Ferrari in a couple of years at Formula One. Absolutely. We'll be looking looking (laughs) up for you. I'll be working very, very hard for that. And you'll have to remember us. You'll have to remember us. <laughs> I will, yes. When you're, when you're famous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My very first. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I, I meant to ask you, actually, who's your favorite Formula One driver? Do you have a favorite? Well, yes, I'm actually a Charles Leclerc fan. Uh, <laughs> of course, Ferrari. And, yeah, but actually, I'm a, like it started when he was in Formula Two, and then oh. I, I I found out that he he did the FDA as well, and he was actually the first driver to actually graduate and reach Formula One. So, so I'm just looking up to him for inspiration. Um, but thank you so thank much for joining. So much. Thank you so yeah, much. No problem. Thank, thank you. you. So we've just had the chance to listen to ourselves from a few weeks ago. I was so much more younger and naive back then. I wish I knew what I knew now. But uh, <laughs> w- what do you guys think about Bianca? You know, Omema, what did you get from, from listening to her? 
Um, so it was really interesting. And I think, I mean, like you said, she's a prodigy and she's she's a real inspiration, particularly to young girls. I think she shows a lot of dedication and motivation for, you know, in her field. Um, she's she's clearly very committed and very, very talented. And I'd be I'm definitely going to be watching her closely as she goes through her her journey and you know, let's hope that we do see her come through and in into Formula One in the hopefully not too distant future. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised when she said that this was her first interview because I thought she was especially well-spoken. Um, and she was incredibly insightful both about the sport and about her position in the sport, both as a, um, as a girl and as a Filipina. Um, she sounded incredibly hopeful for um, F1 and for motorsport being a more inclusive uh, arena and being more inclusive to all types of people besides what we currently see within F1. Um, and I'm excited to see where she's going to go from here. Um, really appreciated her thoughtfulness and all of her answers. Yeah, I thought she was really articulate, you know, especially coming from uh, a 16 year old girl when I was 16. I was not articulate. <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> um, but you know, one of the things I, that I she said... I can second that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not articulate, so... <laughs> um, but one of the things that she said that which uh, stuck out to me is that when she told her parents that she wanted to be a karting driver, they actually were nervous about her going into karting and going into motorsport. And we know that these Formula One drivers start at a very young age. I think Lewis was like four years old. Bianca said she started when she was three. So they start very young, but I think there is a little bit of a stigma, at least in like our type of brown communities, um, about putting girls in sports and stuff at a young age. Do you think it's harder for little young girls, like four or five-year-old girls, to get involved in sports at such a young age? I think it's definitely harder. There's still a lot of um, gender role plays a big part in it. Like a lot of times people genderize toys. So you're not going to see little girls getting gifted like cars or whatever on their third birthday. But I think it was very great of her parents to say like, you know what, this is something that we want to like something she has an interest in. This is something we want to encourage. And yeah, it makes us nervous, but she has a talent for this. And they saw it within her at a very, very young age. Um, she mentioned that she's been a fan of F1 for years at this point. So um, as much as as nervous as her parents were, I think they really saw that you know, there's a potential there in her, in their daughter um, to be something great. And then they fostered it um, in terms of like other girls and getting them to become more involved in F1 and motorsport and like basically athletics in general. I think there is a stigma in um, plenty of Asian countries of women not uh, being involved in various sports or maybe particular sports being acceptable for women. So being able to push that, um, that stereotype, that stigma, I think uh, starting when girls are young and getting them excited and enthusiastic about these sports, I think that will play a huge role in ensuring that fu the future of these uh, sports will be a lot more diverse. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm like, I think it's a, um, she's clearly incredible. Like she's, she's, she has had talent from a very, very young age. Um, and, you know, she did say that her parents are nervous, but I suppose any parents would be considering, you know, a, a three, four-year-old child 
putting them in a go kart and sending them on their way, you know, they're they're they can go pretty fast for a small child like that. You know, you'd be scared of any injuries or anything, whether it's a girl or a boy. I think any any parent would be nervous about that. Um, but I think it's great that they've obviously, like, you know, and I'm said they've fostered that. And yeah, I, I thought it was incredible that she said age like six or seven. She knew that that was what she wanted to do professionally. I was like, incredible. I don't like. I, I don't think any of us knew had a, even the faintest idea of what a job was when when we were six or seven. So it's incredible that she kind of had in her mind already at that young age that this is the direction she wanted to take. And it's incredible that she's 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 managed to do that. You know, I was thinking about that. If she started when she was six, she's been doing this properly, professionally for 10 years already. Like she's yeah. been doing it for a career life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's incredible. I was going to say, I haven't done anything this consistently for 10 years. Um, <laughs> so, you know, props to her. And she's incredibly young. When I was a 16-year-old girl, did I even have hobbies? Did I have a passion? I don't even know. <laughs> I think, like, it's just, for me, the fact that she dedicates so much of her time outside of school and outside of other expectations she may have with her family and her friends to studying motorsport and to practicing and to just, you know. Even like she was saying, she was, you know, training in general. She's, she's up at four o'clock in the morning, goes for a run, goes to the gym, like that's real true dedication, you know, and, and yeah, definitely very, very, very impressed with her. It just reminded me of like an Olympian, like the same yeah. amount of dedication that an Olympian well, would have. Well, I suppose have. it is, isn't it? Like, I mean, if professional athletes, professional athletes will have that dedication. I think, you know, Muhammad, we were speaking about in the Schumacher documentary, we were talking about the dedication that he had shown. And he was one of these people that had immense dedication to training and really making himself a true athlete to, to to compete um and yeah she's 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 very impressive yeah exactly it reminds me of like the stories you hear of all the big athletes when they how they started out like you know they were four years old they were three years old they did it as kids and then they have this stringent diet and they have this stringent exercise schedule so by all accounts it doesn't sound like she's going away anytime soon and i do feel like we're going to hear her name in like headlines and stuff there's been a talk about, you know, incentivizing more of these Formula One junior academies. Mercedes has one. Um, Alpine has one. Ferrari has one. McLaren has one. Red Bull has one. Incentivizing them uh, to taking girls on at a young age so that they all come in at the Formula Four level or the Formula Three level and kind of go up into Formula One the way the boys do. Is that something that you think is a solution to getting girls into Formula One? Um, so I suppose yes and no, because in, I think it's important to get girls into the sport at a very, very young age, um, because that's how they're going to be competitive. But, you know, it's, it's only if they're in from, from that young age that you're going to have the true com competitive nature. Um, but it's difficult to know whether they should be incentivized or not, because I think there's a risk that if you do incentivize, then you know, you're almost judged as being like the token gesture or the token card and and not considered to have the true talent. I feel like actually they should have the the same opportunities as the boys. So they should be able to, you know, race in the karting level and, you know, the the 
program that Bianca is going through at the moment, giving her the opportunity to get into to to show her raw talent, and on the basis of her talent, get into the the Ferrari Driver Academy. I think that's a really good thing. And if we can get more girls involved like that, then I think that's probably better than rather than saying here's an incentive for girls to get into it. Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree. Um, I know there's a lot of pros and cons around something like Formula W, but having a separate pathway for girls and for women to join Formula One, I think there that could almost label them as almost not being as good as their male counterparts and they could be better in terms of talent but because they came in from this separate pathway um it's almost as if they had that they came in due to the diversity card rather than their own talent bianca herself mentioned that all of the uh the races that she's won till this day have been co-ed so she's won against boys um so she clearly has the talent to join on her own merit but one of the problem with incentivizing um, the academies and to and creating these like alternative pathways, I understand the point of them because they're trying to make the system more equitable by um, giving more opportunities to system impacted people, namely women, uh, so they have more access to, like you said, Formula Three or Formula or F three or F four level racing, um, and eventually can make it up to F1. Um, but there is a stigma associated with it by how they entered. Really, if there was some way to train and recruit from a young age, the boys and girls at the same level, give them both the same opportunities, and then have them move up the ranks that way, I think that's the best case scenario. But when you're trying to completely revamp an already uh, flawed system, I guess you have to go through these kind of growing pains to figure out which is the best way to ensure opportunities are available to everybody, especially those who have been negatively impacted. As Anam said, you know, Bianca has clearly shown that she's got the merit. She's won all of her races against boys. So she she has the talent. And I think it's just changing mindsets. And it's not going to happen overnight. And it's what, you know, you, you see this kind of in other fields, in other sports, in other walks of life, you see you know, it, it's changing mindsets about that that girls can do these jobs, and it has is happening in F1. You know, you're seeing now women on on the podium when you know female engineers on the podium. You're seeing female engineers in the pits. You're seeing you're seeing more women in motorsport. You've got women in IndyCar. You've got them in rally. You've got them in you know so many walks of motorsport. Um, it's just. I suppose changing perspectives and changing people's people being more open to including women and recognizing the the, the talent that they have. I mean, yes. I'd have to agree, I'd have to agree with that. Um, I think you know just trying to include more female drivers like that's great, but it really needs to be across all roles and all um, participation levels within like formula racing because if yeah you're trying to get more like female racers like drivers and then you don't have anybody behind the scenes that's a woman then whoever is making these big decisions um you know at the fia level or whatever it is if it's all men then you're gonna still have a system that's flawed you need to have female uh engineers and you need to have people female uh like team leaders yeah team yeah team leaders people in the pit stops like um managers like like people behind the scenes like even within their marketing teams and things like that there need to be 
there needs to be enough representation across all levels in order for it to be a fully reformed system. Just creating this special pathway isn't going to do it. Like we've seen it with affirmative action in the United States, like that helped get more people of color, specifically um, African-Americans into the university system. But then they were stuck with this label of, oh, well, you only got in because of affirmative action, even though they were just as smart or maybe even smarter um, and more talented than their peers. So getting people um, or women in at all different levels, I think kind of levels out the playing field a little bit. That And so it's just a no brainer at that point when you end up getting more girls joining um, within the academies and more women join, joining as drivers. Yeah, so one of the measures the FIA has taken recently um, because they have heard some of this criticism, uh, to their credit, they at least uh, attempted to respond to it. And they created the W series, Formula W in 2019. Uh, it's an F3 series. They're driving F3 cars. And the whole purpose of it was to take to bring women in and have them race at an F3 level and then get them the sponsorships, get them the team contracts, get them the media training and all of that so that hopefully they can go beyond F3. And so Jamie Chadwick, she was the first ever winner in 2019. Now she's a development driver for Williams. And like on paper, on textbook, that's the path that you would take into Formula One. Like you would go F3, then you'd get a, a job at one of the big Formula One teams, hopefully a Formula Two drive, and then you get into Formula One. So do you feel like that's a good step forward? Do you feel like, you know, the FIA needs to do more or, you know, what are your opinions just in general on the W series? We heard what Bianca had to say about it. I mean, I understand the point and I understand that there were good intentions behind it, but even just naming it Formula W is problematic because like we said before, it adds that additional stigma. Like, yes, it's great that they're getting the media training. It's great that they're getting all these other services through it. I think that's definitely needed, but the problem becomes they're now like labeled. They have this on them throughout their entire career. So even if they do end up, if like one of the women ends up in Formula One, um, it's always going to be part of her career trajectory that she came in through Formula W. Yeah, I think um, the concept itself, I think, is good because it encourages women to get into motorsport and encourages, you know, it gives women opportunities. And I think one of the big things with Formula W is that you don't need the sponsorship to get into the the racing itself. Um, so, you know, in, in some ways it is good on those levels and if it does allow women to enter into formula two and then eventually formula one again it's a great thing to to enable that and the only other thing that i would say is like the other thing i would be concerned about is if they don't actually come into formula one like does it just become a completely separate league so you've got like formula one is the men's league and Formula W is the women's league. And it's they're almost running in parallel. I know now that they are actually, you know, the Formula W is runs as a support um, races and they, they race at the same weekends as the Formula One races. So they're getting some kind of media coverage and they're getting more acknowledgement of what is going on. Um, but I hope that really continues. And it hope, I hope, it, you know, it becomes more integrated rather than a segregated system. So, I mean, Formula One in general has a big problem of not bringing in new talent and letting in letting the old talent sit there for too long. And hopefully, you know, when they have more support races and you have new new drivers, it'll push them to take in more and more rookies every year. But also, I wanted to say, 
you guys need to stop agreeing with yourselves every single second because you need to disagree a little bit more and bring some spice <laughs> to this podcast. If all you do is agree, everyone's going to get bored. It's okay. We can disagree with you. <laughs> we can disagree with you. <laughs> um, so, I mean, both of you guys come from careers that are predominantly male-dominated. Um, Umayma, you're a physician. And Anam, you're in a, a surgeon. I know your company, a surgeon, that's right. Oh, that, it's different in the UK. See, in America, we just call everyone with a medical degree a doctor. So, <laughs> And we call a bunch of people who aren't doctors, doctors as well. So we just call everyone doctor. But uh, Anam, I know your company is pretty inclusive from what I understand, but your field tends to be a more male-dominated field. So have you felt like even in your own respective areas of, of work, you've had to perform harder and and you know better than your male counterparts? Yeah, I suppose it is it is harder you have to work harder you've got to sh- you've got to show probably more dedication and more commitment to to specialty commitment to what you're doing um having said that i think like you know things have changed a lot over even the last you know probably 15 20 years and when you see now like you know as i said i'm i'm a surgeon and as we went through medical school you know the, the split at medical school was 60-40, so 60% female and 40% male. Um, but as you came through and you went through into specialties, you, you know, the there are certain specialties that are more male-dominated than, than others. Um, I suppose, like, as long as you've got the, the dedication and you can show that you are committed to what you want to do and you work hard at it, like, I think anyone can... can achieve what they want but it can be more challenging I think for for women to get into certain fields um there's you know various barriers and you know we could talk about that could be an entire podcast of its own there's there's lots of different barriers um but I, I think things are changing which is which is great yeah, I mean, I would have to agree. I feel like the legal perfection, profession is um, primarily, there's a lot of men who are attorneys. Um, and the specific project I work on within uh, like immigration law happens to have a lot of female attorneys. Um, I think that's as much as I'm comfortable giving away on what I work on. Um, so it's interesting because we do have a lot of women in this like um on the ground level but then the people who are making the decisions also tend to be men and our government partners are majority the teams tend to be men so umayma are you kind of getting the feeling that anam works for the cia or something <laughs> <laughs> maybe she does we need to find Based out <laughs> on her description we have yeah. a lot of women on the ground but the people we yeah. report to <laughs> yeah. I can't give it away, but <laughs> I just, it's a very specific program. Let's just say that it's under it's the CIA. The, it's no, the no, no, no. It, it is under the Department of Justice, but I can't give away much else besides that because then people very easily find me on their internet and I don't Look, want we've you already to do that. upset the KGB on this podcast we attacked Nikita Mazepin we were going to get kidnapped by them now the CIA is coming after us not so. the CIA but I'm pretty sure ICE will hate me but that's okay 
all these acronyms you're throwing out. I, I don't know. What, I thought I knew what you did, but I don't, I guess not. Uh, thank you both of you guys for joining us so, um, on this podcast and really talking about this important subject. Uh, I think that we need to talk about more and hopefully the future is bright. We have so many, so much new talent coming in. Um, I guess the one thing I wanted to add right before we close is I kind of felt bad for the other like 30 or so drivers in the girls on track program because basically you go through all of that and you only take one girl into the into the Ferrari uh, Junior Academy. No, I think it's one. It's the winner of the whole thing gets to get go into the Ferrari Junior Academy. So do you feel like yeah that's I think not- there's there was four that she said that would go to the, to to the next stage or something yeah that's right yeah, but, but then it's only one. I that suppose that's, that's the, the nature of anything, though, isn't it? That's the nature of 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 sport in general. Like it's only the very very top that will will get in. Or if you're like the son of somebody who is the very top, let's be real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I have never been yeah, at the very top of anything in my entire life. So I guess the whole thought of that just terrifies me. <laughs> it sounds like the Hunger Games. Like, I'm yeah, not I, like. I, would... <laughs> I wouldn't get past round one. I'd lose in round one. <laughs> she, or Squid Games. She, she said something like, before they even are allowed Who's your bias? Yeah, Plug... Squid Games. Oh, my God. Plug for Who's Your Bias? Because <laughs> we're going to talk about that. Tell us about Who's this Your Bias. Tell, Adam, tell us about Who's Your Bias. Who's Your Bias is a podcast um, hosted by myself and my co-host, Asma, um, about K-media, so K-dramas, K-music, so not just K-pop, but K-hip-hop, trot, and any other kind of musical genre in Korea, and K-films. We talk about, you know, current events, uh, what celebrities are up to, and just our general opinions about... um, different things within the media i don't know it's just like a pop culture podcast all right everybody thank you so much for joining us we'll be back next time at the turkish grand prix um we'll be talking about that race and this podcast was actually recorded before it so i don't know maybe some interesting stuff happened i don't know at the time of this recording lewis has a 10 plays grid penalty will he crawl back i don't know future me will be you know really surprised but uh, thank you guys we'll be back at that time um and we'll see you then Bye. Bye. Oh, they're slow. It's a slow pit stop, Rocky. This has been a production for Not That Good Media.